question, what's the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day? Well, Memorial Day is to honor and to celebrate the lives and the memories of those who have given their lives. Veterans Day is to celebrate those that are still serving. So I'd like to pray a prayer. I'd like you to join me in your hearts. Obviously, we can pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones. But we can also pray for the future. Amen. So join me in your hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we recognize, God, our history, how many individual lives have been lost throughout the centuries, Father God, to preserve this nation, Father God, and our way of life and the way of freedom, Father. And so we pray for comfort for those families that have lost loved ones, those children that grew up without knowing their parents, without knowing their loved ones, Father. We pray that they would be very much aware of your comfort in their lives, Lord. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for the future. Lord, as we see the storm clouds gathering once again, Father God. And although we pray for peace, Father, we recognize that war is inevitable because you've already told us in your word what mankind will face in the future. And so, Lord, I take this opportunity to pray for a revival to sweep across all of our armed forces, Father God. That every man and woman would be prepared, Father God, that if their life should be taken from them, Father, that they would not end up spending eternity separated from you, Lord. That they would receive Jesus Christ. And that to God forbid... Father, that their life should be taken, that they would be prepared to spend all of eternity with you, God. Now, Father, I pray against every ungodly thing, every, every spirit of darkness that would try to steer our armed forces in the wrong direction, Father God. I pray, Lord God, for the chaplains. I pray for those that are already Christians, born again, soldiers, men and women of God. They would have a free, a free course, God that the word of God would have free course, that they would be bold and share the gospel with every one of their fellow soldiers. Father, regardless of what branch of the military, Father, we pray that there would be a revival, that the spirit of God would move across every branch of our military, Father, sweeping multitudes and multitudes and multitudes, hundreds of thousands, into the kingdom of God. We bless you today, Father. Thank you for the sacrifice of these, these men and women all throughout the years, Lord God. Thank you for providing comfort for their families, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pastor Tom. Well, welcome to church, everyone. He is good, amen? Amen. Well, on behalf of our lead pastor, Pastor Joe and Barb, a special welcome to you. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is... Uh, Tom Crown, I'm one of the assistant pastors here at the church, also the outreach director. It's an honor to be with you uh, this evening. Now, if you're here for the first time, a special, special welcome to you. Obviously, you could be anywhere tonight you chose to be with us, and we are honored that you are here. If you could just do us a quick favor and fill out one of these red connect cards on the seat back in front of you, that's just a way we keep connected with your family, we keep you updated on things. But again, we appreciate uh, if you could fill one of these out and through those on your way out through those double doors, there is a first-time guest area in the front. 
You'll meet some of our, our volunteers, and they'll uh, put a special gift in your hand just as a way of saying thank you. But again, um, we're so glad that you're here with us, and we could everybody here will attest to that. We're not just a church to attend, but a family to belong to. I know we say that a lot, but it is the truth. Now, if you've been coming to this church for some time, and it could be a week, a month, a couple weeks, months, years, and you're, you're ready to take that next step, I don't know what you're waiting for. We have our next move classes. They meet the first and second weekends of every single month, or rather, yeah, the first and second weekends of every single month, and you're just going to learn about where we were, where we are, where we're headed. You'll learn about our leadership structure, but you can find information out. Just go to guest services, and they'll get you signed up for the classes that are coming up this month in June. Again, I can't believe it's June already, but our next move classes, the, the next ones are in June. Amen? All right. Well, it's time to give, church. I just want to encourage you with your giving. You see the, way to, um, the ways to give on the screen, but I just want to take a second to encourage you with this. Continue to be faithful in your giving. It says, the scriptures tell us not to be weary in well-doing, right? Because we're going to reap a harvest if we faint not. In anything in our life, we just have to continue to, to uh, walk in, in, in principles and in the kingdom of God. When we continue to walk in our, his principles, we are going to be blessed. So I just want to encourage you, we serve a faithful God and continue to give, continue to tithe, continue to do all those things, and we will be blessed. Amen. Let's pray, and then the ushers can receive the offering. Father, we thank you that we are blessed, Lord God. You are a good Father, Lord, and we thank you that as we continue to give, we will not become weary in well-doing and continue to give in knowing that we will reap a harvest if we faint not. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can receive that offering. Before we bring up Pastor Joe to bring us the second part of the meat trap, I have an announcement. Brotherhood night. It is going to be an awesome night. It's Friday, June 16th, 6 to 8.30. It's going to be at the Bayville campus. Don't miss it. It's going to be a time where we can just get together and have some fun, some um, manly competition. There's going to be axe throwing. Don't worry, nobody's going to get hurt. Axe throwing, pizza eating contest, um, cornhole, archery, s'mores, just all kinds of things. Don't miss it. Sausage sandwiches, hot dogs, um, and I think, I think that covers it, but it's just going to be a great night. Do not miss it. It's going to be a, a really good time to get together. But at this time, I'd like to bring up our lead pastor as he brings us the word. Amen. Praise God. All right. I don't want to keep everybody here really, really late tonight. Um, so I'm going to ask a question. Um, there's no condemnation. I'm not asking it for any other reason than to know how much reviewing I have to do. Um, if you were not able to make it here last weekend here in Brick for any of the services, um, could I see your hand so I know how much I have to review? Okay, just a few. All right. Okay, good. All right, so you're going to listen fast tonight, right? Okay, so we are in this two-part series here that I felt really strongly impressed that we needed to teach now. You know, there's seasons to everything. We understand that, right? Yes. Just like there's seasons in the natural. Uh, we're just getting ready to go into the summer season. It can't get here quick enough for me, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but there's also seasons in the spirit. And if you miss a season in the spirit, it can kind of throw things off a little bit. So I wanted to squeeze this in. It really should have been a three or four week series, but we'll come back and visit it again. I want to remind you of the why we're teaching this. It's extremely appropriate to the time frame that we find ourselves in right now. The title of the series is The Me Trap. It's basically talking about how we need to get out of ourselves, get, put ourselves aside, start lining up our priorities the right way, 
God first, then others, then me. Amen? Amen. And I didn't think about the connection to this scripture that I want to read you as we begin tonight until early this afternoon. I was sitting here going over my notes again for probably like the 20th time and just, just meditating on it, just kind of mulling it over, just wanting to hear from, from God. And I remember the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It seems like Paul had revelation from the Holy Spirit about the days that you and I would be living in now, okay? Um, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So how do we know in the last days? It's too much to explain right now. We are definitely in the last days. I can give you historical proof. If you want to talk to me after service, fine. But I, I, gotta, I gotta get moving. So please assume that the Apostle Paul knew what he was talking about, because I think he did. Just alone, there's descriptions here. For men will be lovers of who? Lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers. The demons don't even hide anymore. Okay. Disobedient to parents. We have a lot of kids in here tonight. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Without self-control, brutal despisers of good. We're told that we see a generation, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, now listen to me. Everything else up until this point talked about our culture. That's talking about the church. Tons of churches, but little power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, do what? Turn away. If there's ever been a time that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm talking about the born-again, spirit-filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter where it is all over the world, if there's ever been a time that the church needs to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, it's now. It's now. But you see, in order to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to die to yourself. You have to die to yourself. You got to put your plans aside. But you don't understand, Pastor. No, I very much understand because I had to go through the same thing. Still have to fight that. We always fight that. We're going to fight that in every new season of our lives. Because in every season of our life, we become self-absorbed again. I'll turn around so nobody thinks I'm looking at them. So that's why you hear retirement people, people that are retired say, well, I'm going to live my life for me now. I worked hard all these, all these years. I wasn't looking at you. Every season of life, we're going to have to re-examine Amen? Amen? But if we're going to walk truly as Jesus walked, if we're going to demonstrate the power of God on this earth so that people that are so lost can come into the kingdom, we're going to have to deny ourselves, pick up that cross, and follow him. Amen. Remember that we, the church, have the answer to those problems today. Everything that was just listed, everything that Paul wrote to Timothy about, 
You and I have the answer. And I don't mean that in a haughty sense. I'm just stating what the, what the scriptures say. I don't mean that in an arrogant sense. I'm acknowledging what Jesus has left for us to do and to be while we await his appearing. Amen? But in order for us to truly get this message out, the message of Jesus, the message of his gospel, the message of the good news of his forgiveness and grace, we're required to put ourselves aside and to make Jesus our priority. Therefore, you and I need to avoid this me trap, me trap. It's so dangerous. So to review very quickly, we started off last week with Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if you didn't read anything else in the Bible, those two scriptures alone would be enough for you to fulfill what Jesus said. But of course, we know we want to read the rest of the Bible, right? Amen. Amen. So Jesus taught, put God first, others next, and then ourselves. And we're talking about this not getting caught up in this meat trap, not being self-centered. I want to try to skip through this because we're pretty far along in our time already. Last weekend, we described self-centeredness as having an immoderate or over-the-top concern for one's own interests and well-being, self-love and egotism, and we see that in our society. Last week, we talked about how Jesus in Mark chapter 10 is on the road from northern, the most northern part of Israel down to Jerusalem. He's really going, you, you don't realize it when you're reading it unless you really, really study the context, but he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified. Amen? Amen. And there are a series of incidents that, takes that take place that are recorded for us on the road to Jerusalem. And I don't have time. I can't possibly review everything from last week. If you were not here, please go online. Please go to our YouTube channel, and you'll see all the message in its entirety. But we came to verse 32, and it tells us now they were on the road, talking about Jesus and his disciples and a multitude, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and they were afraid because of the conversation they had before that, which you'll have to go study it out when you watch the video. Then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. And this is what he said. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Now, again, I don't want to spend as much time as I did last week talking about this, but this is a very sad state of affairs in Jesus' disciples. Because the very next verse, after Jesus gets done sharing and venting and opening up his heart, the first thing they ask, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Most of you were here last weekend, and I, I, I hope that hits you like it hit me when I read it in context. Like, are you joking? And so, Jesus deals with them in this situation here. And again, they're still on the road. And 
those of you who were here last week would remember that we thought they learned their lesson. But then the disciples are faced with another opportunity to put themselves aside in favor of someone that was in very desperate need. So we go to now verse 46. Same chapter, still in Mark chapter 10. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit lines things up for us. And when you, when you stand back and you read the stuff in context, you realize, wow, how awesome. How could you not get the meaning of all this when you read it in context? And we're so used to, in our Western mindset, of pulling scriptures out of context and just... But when you put the whole picture together, remember, this was written as a letter. It was not broken up in chapters and verses. So now in verse 46, now here they are. They're still on the road, and they came to Jericho. And if we had a map up there, we would see that. On their way down, you have to hit Jericho, and then in Jericho, you're going to start heading east and south to Jerusalem. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, we talked about this at length last week, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, again, how sad. Then many warned him to be quiet. Where's the compassion? Where's the heart? Did you not learn anything? But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded it to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying, be a good cheer. Cheer up. It's your lucky day. Rise, he's calling you. And again, we spent a lot of time last week. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And if you were not here last week, don't miss the significance of that sentence. Because he, Bartimaeus, the first action he took was to get rid of the cloak. He got rid of the very garment that identified him as being blind. Because he knew, I don't need this anymore. I'm never again going to have to wear this thing. Never again am I going to need to be concerned that I don't have my cloak on and if I cross the street and somebody's on horseback, they could trample me because they won't see me. Or I won't see them. Never again. He knew. He knew. So Jesus answered, said to him, what do you want me to do for you? After seeing that, Jesus, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I'm going to say it again. He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, I'm sure nobody in here would ever do anything like this, but I've been in this thing for 39 years now. And you see quite a few things in 39 years. And in 39 years, I've seen many people I'm not even talking about coming to this church because I've only pastored out of 39 years, these past 26 years. I've seen people come desperate, desperate for God to do something in their life, desperate for a marriage to be reconciled, desperate for a good health report, desperate for financial rescue, desperate. And then as soon as God moves and provides what they needed and works that miracle, Where are they? Where are they? Thank God Bartimaeus knew better. Thank God. He received his sight and followed Jesus where? On the road. You got this? 
So, where were they going? To Jerusalem. Mark chapter 11. We slip over to the next chapter now. Mark chapter 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage, to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, now, if you're coming from, from the east, heading west, you will cross this area here. So, he, so they came up on the Mount of Olives, and then came down the Mount of Olives and went into the temple. Okay? They went into those gates of Jerusalem. You getting this? Okay? So let's see. He sent two of his disciples. You know the story. This is a triumphant entry. This is what we call Palm Sunday. You remember? We just celebrated it not that long ago. They're out in the streets. They're waving palms. They took off their cloaks and threw them on the ground. This is a magnificent celebration. In fact, it was so loud, the religious people got nervous and came out and said, tell your disciples to calm down. He said, if I tell them to stop, these stones themselves are going to cry out. Why? Because the very earth itself has been waiting to see the Messiah come into Jerusalem. Really, if you really want to get serious about it, we say, well, Jesus' first coming is when he was born in Bethlehem. The first coming to Jerusalem is this day. Amen? Zechariah prophesied it. Jeremiah prophesied it. And so he's given them instructions. Now, my point is this. We don't have to go through the whole thing because we've got to move on to, to part two. Okay? My point is this. Had not Bartimaeus lifted his voice up, those selfish disciples and that selfish multitude would have caused this man to miss out. Do you realize what this man's eyes were opened for? Do you realize the very next thing he gets to participate in? He's on the road with Jesus. And he's there when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Monumental event. Life-changing. Milestone. Daniel prophesied it 700 years before that that day, that exact day, the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem. Go look it up, okay? And Bartimaeus gets to see it because Jesus took the time to minister to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. The disciples' me-first attitude almost cost Bartimaeus his sight. You and I need to be very, very, very careful that we don't do the same thing. That we put stumbling blocks before individuals instead of putting, instead of opening up the way for people to come to Christ. We want to make it about us if we're not careful. Or we, want to, we, we become self-serving without even realizing it. We need to make sure that our priorities are right. We need to make sure that we understand that somebody laid their life down for us, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we could be reconciled to God the Father Almighty. This isn't a minor thing. Whether you spend eternity in heaven with God or whether you spend eternity separated from God is dependent upon have you been reconciled to God the Father Almighty. Now, Jesus did it once for all for every human being, but every human being must acknowledge and receive it. It's not automatic. You know, when we spent time in Bible school out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, the belt buckle of the Bible belt, you know? You heard people say this stuff all the time. Like, we worked in supermarkets. Sometimes you strike up conversations with individuals. So, so are you a Christian? Well, my granddaddy was a pastor. Well, we know he was. 
But what about you? Well, my daddy was a deacon in the church. You, you heard that all over the place. Now, that's very foreign to me because I'm first generation in the ministry. First generation in this country, first generation in the ministry. So, you know, we understand that God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Every Christian needs to be first generation in their experience. Now, thank God we live in a culture here where you don't come across that very much. We come across another one, another, a different facet of that same attitude. Well, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ? Yep. Raised Catholic. (laughs) Made my first communion, made my confirmation. I didn't ask you if you had a religion. Now, I hope that doesn't offend anybody. I can talk about it because I was Catholic. If you weren't Catholic, you can't talk about it. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So, 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 you see, we, we try to hide behind these things, but, but there's nothing to hide behind when we get before God in eternity. And even as Christians, once we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we receive that, free gift of salvation, we experience redemption. We're going to get in, but what kind, of, what kind of rewards are we going to be looking at when we get there? Now, we don't live for that, but I think when we get there, we're going to wish we did because we're going to be living with the results of what kind of life we led as believers on the earth for all of eternity. And there are rewards, and, and this was Jesus' idea. It's not like we said, hey, listen, when we get there, can we have some rewards? No, he tells us in the Word that there will be certain crowns for certain things and certain positions that we served. But I think very few of us live our lives with the understanding that when we get to that great award ceremony in heaven, it's going to be based on how we lived after we became a Christian. Well, pastor, I'm not into works. I'm not talking about works. We don't believe in works as a way to get into heaven. But Jesus expects us to do certain things. And that's what we come to this weekend. This weekend, the church world celebrates Pentecost. Jewish world celebrates Shavuot. I believe it started yesterday. Same holiday, two different ways of celebrating Now, Pentecost comes from the Greek word for 50 days, okay? And it occurs 50 days after Passover, okay? And the celebration in the Jewish world is the celebration of when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, okay? Which makes sense. Passover, they come out of Egypt. 50 days later, they're on Mount Sinai the one in Arabia, the real one, okay? So, if you remember what happened that day, and I'm going to try to do this very quick, because you can go look for yourself. I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 23. What a fireworks display that was. Mountains shaking, quaking, trumpet blasts, lightning bolts, fire. The people were afraid. They're scared to death. Their knees are knocking at the foot of the mountain. Moses is on this mountain receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, the revelation of God, of how he desired for his people to live. And they couldn't do it. 
And I've shared this many times. I'll share it again for those of you that are new here. The worst thing they did that day, the Israelites, when Moses came down from that mountain with those commandments and he read the law to them and every one of them, without fail, said to Moses, tell him we will do everything that's written in the word. Wrong. Wrong answer. It's impossible. There's only one that's been able to do everything written in that law, and that's Jesus himself. What they should have done was fall on their knees for mercy and say, it's impossible for us to fulfill this. We need a savior. And then Jesus comes. And if you remember, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel and in the book of Jeremiah, the same promise occurs where God said that he would take out a stony heart and put in a heart of flesh and he would write his ways upon our hearts so that we would be able to live a life pleasing to him by the power of his spirit who lives within us. Amen. So Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, buried, three days later, raises from the dead, ascends into heaven, and tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. Acts chapter 1, let's go there. So we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the believers that Jesus entrusted to complete his ministry. Many people refer to this as the birth of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, can I just mention this, please? And just follow me very closely because you can get really bogged down in some things here if you're not understanding the scriptures clearly. This is um, 10 days before Pentecost. This is 40 days after the resurrection. Yes or no? Do you remember what happened on Resurrection Sunday later in the afternoon when Jesus appeared to the disciples? You remember what happened? What does it say? He breathed on them, and he said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he went on to say the first thing that we should be preaching, forgive. Okay? Don't want to go into it. We don't have time. Go read it, John chapter 21. So they're born again now, right? The disciples are already born again, yes? 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 They got born again Easter Sunday night. He breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit, just like God breathed into Adam when he created Adam, right? But now he tells them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of my Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. You want to read the rest with me nice and loud? But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, to be exact, 10 days. Well, wait a second, Jesus. I thought we received the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday night. Yes or no? They did, right? Holy Spirit for salvation. They received salvation. But now he's telling them that there's another experience for them to expect. See, anybody in the world can receive salvation, but only those who receive salvation can have this experience. For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they, here we go again, self-centeredness. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Jerusalem? I could picture them going like this. Yeah, yeah, this is good. We're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, but what about the kingdom? Are you going to, in other words, what are they saying? Are you going to get rid of the Romans now? Do we still got to be paid? Do we still have to pay these taxes? Self-serving. Next verse. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, what did he tell me Easter Sunday night? Receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever you forgive is forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, you retain. Didn't say anything about power. Come on, I'm not stretching this, am I? They received salvation. But now he said to them, but you shall receive power when? He's pointing them to a future event 10 days from that. But you shall receive power when what? When he, the Holy Spirit, has come up on you, and you shall be what? Be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Remember he said to them, don't move, guys. Stay where you're at. You got salvation, which prepares you for heaven. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit prepares you for earth. I've said this many times. People say, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Spirit. You can't, don't move out of the house. But watch this now. Watch this now. Because some of you think you know where I'm going. I'm not. Watch this, because we're baptized, we're baptism in the Holy Ghost, people. Okay, watch this now, though. Jesus is the baptism in the Holy Spirit is first and foremost to be his witnesses. I thought you were a Holy Ghost pastor. I am. I'm a person of the word. He said the baptism in the Holy Spirit is first and foremost to do what? To be his witnesses. He put the mission first. To be completely immersed, baptized into carrying out the Great Commission. And you want to know what many of us have been guilty of? We put so much emphasis on the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we could speak in tongues, so that we could, we could have a doorway into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, but we got real weak on the witness part. Yeah, listen to the crickets. My thought our roots are Pentecostal. They are. But that doesn't mean we should be out of balance. He said the baptism of the Holy Ghost was primarily for us to be witnesses of his. And you know why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because you can't live your life the way you want and still be a witness of Christ. Amen. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit for us to die to ourselves. Oh, I'm so glad I came to Saturday night service. Yeah. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Who? The disciples. Saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, or behold, or watch, or be aware... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Cannot successfully be a witness for Jesus and be self-absorbed, self-centered. We're either going to live for him or we're going to live for ourselves. And listen to me. Jesus knew that, the, watch this now. This is 
my God, how you can't get this, I don't understand. Jesus said to the disciples who's just spent anywhere from three to three and a half years with him, just about every single day, and he said to them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive this promise. Here we are 2,000 years removed from that personal face-to-face experience. And we think we could live our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. Oh, we'll go to heaven because you receive salvation. Salvation prepares you for heaven. But the majority of us are not prepared to live on this earth. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power. And he's not going to be in a tug of war. He won't. Paul Paul made this very clear. He said, do not grieve. The Holy Spirit tells us he can't be grieved. Yes? He can't be grieved. And if we choose choose to live our life uh, for ourselves... Pursuing our own interests, pursuing our own plans, pursuing our own desires, gathering up everything we can on the way, he'll let us. We'll still go to heaven because we received him as our Lord and Savior, and we've placed our trust in him for salvation, and we've received salvation. The Holy Spirit's living in us. But he said, in order to really shake this world up, in order to reach every single person we possibly can, We're not going to be able to do it if we're living for ourselves. It's going to require the power of the Holy Spirit coming up on. He's in there. If you're born again, he's in there. But he wants to take you to the next step. Not just so we can come together and just not so we can experience the nine gifts of the Spirit and we're drying up on the fruit of the Spirit. Ouch. We need both. We need both. We want the power, the power, the power, the power. When I first first got born again, the group of people I was around, I got a witness right here on the front row. He was there the night I got born again. Okay? Okay. Everybody wanted the power, the power, the power, the gifts, the gifts. And we had some of the nastiest people. (laughs) And you shall be my witnesses. Some of us, until we start watering the fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives should keep our mouths shut. (laughs) Somebody said, amen. (laughs) I guess you ran into a few of them. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not backing off on these truths. We need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand that that power is primarily so that we could be witnesses. (coughs) Giving evidence. What does it mean to be a witness? Giving evidence that, yes, he's affected my life.
And what should be the primary evidence? Well, if somebody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it should be them evidence to speak in tongues. I agree. In the book of Acts, every time somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. But there's something else that Jesus said would be an outward sign. Do you remember what that was? Love. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. That is the very thing that captivated me the very first time I was around a bunch of true, genuine, born-again children of God. I could not believe the love that I was experiencing. And you want to know what happened? The gifts of the Spirit were in operation too. And this group that I'm talking about, the ones primarily, didn't believe in tongues. Didn't believe in the Pentecostal experience. In fact, taught against it. And then the daughter of the woman that was getting married, at whose wedding I was catering, because I was in the business back then. I wish I could find that thing. We lost it throughout the years. Walks up to me. I'm not born again yet. I'm catering her mother's wedding, 400 guests. And how sneaky they were. They got all 400 together to pray for us in the kitchen. <laughs> how sneaky. And her daughter, this was the second marriage for the mom. Daughter was probably 19, 20 years old. She walks up to me with a little piece of legal pad paper. And she said, the Lord told me to give this to you. I read that, and it collapsed me on the inside. The Holy Spirit showed her things that were in my life that nobody knew about. Were they a witness for Jesus? Absolutely. Again, don't walk out here and say, Pastor's changed his heart. He's not Pentecostal. No, no, no. <laughs> through and through. That's all I knew. Thank God he knew enough to put me in a church like that. I needed to see the power. I needed to see it. I needed to experience it to, me, to know that this is real. But the power that I saw in the love of people was just as strong as the power that I saw. I mean, I, I was in meetings in those early years where people were throwing their canes away and walking out healed. I was in one meeting one time. I don't know if you remember this was a young man that his dad pulled him out of community hospital, brought him to the church because he had to have kidney transplant. The pastor prayed for him. He comes back the next week. The doctor said, I don't understand. There's brand new kidneys here. Amen. Jesus knew I needed that. Amen. I needed that. But you know what? We're living in a generation right now that needs to see power. But, 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 but. They also need to see a generation of people who are not living for themselves. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I thank God for his presence in our lives. I thank God for him guiding us. This church would have never made it. Never made it. In the natural, I had no business doing this. I'm serious. In the natural, I had no business doing this. But it's not by might. And it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. I urge you. i got to stop. We've been here too long already. Unless you guys want to give me another hour and make believe it's a second service. <laughs> Listen to me. 
pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pursue the fullness. Listen, Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed so that the Holy Spirit could come to earth. He opened up the way for the Spirit of God to come to earth. He's here now. Jesus is in heaven. His Spirit's with us. But if you haven't nurtured the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're going to go to heaven. Of course we're going to go to heaven. We don't go to heaven because of what we do. We go to heaven because of what we believe. But our lives will be like a roller coaster on the earth because the Holy Spirit has been given unto us to lead us and guide us into all truth, to show us things to come, to remind us of the things that Jesus has spoken to us. You don't believe me? Go read John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16. All the teaching that you and I have about the Holy Ghost that's important, Jesus gave at the Last Supper. Do you think if somebody speaks about something on the night before they're going to die that we should consider it important? He didn't talk about the Yankees record. He talked about love and the Holy Spirit. He talked about love and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 13, he spoke about love. 14, 15, 16, he talked about the Holy Spirit. He rose from the dead, breathed on them, they received salvation, but he said to them, you're not done yet, but you shall receive power when you receive that promise of my Father in heaven. When the Holy Ghost comes up on you, there is the anointing within, there's the anointing upon. Pursue that. Now, I want to wrap this up and wrap up this this series. We'll, we'll come back and talk about this again because you can't talk about this kind of stuff enough. Okay. However, we're family here. We're children of God. I would say the majority of us are. So the first issue I want to deal with, if you have not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not yet come to the place where you declared with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he did die on the cross for our sins, that he has been risen from the dead. If you have not received that free gift of salvation, please do not walk out these doors. Paul said we are living in perilous times. We don't know what the future holds. We know who holds it, but we don't know what the future holds. God bless you. Please seal your salvation and your eternity tonight. But there's another offer I want to make. This is going to take boldness. It's going to take transparency. It's going to take honesty. Before you leave here tonight, these next few moments, if you would be honest enough to say, and if this is the case, if it's not, it's not. I've been having a really hard time putting myself aside. I've been having a really hard time. I've been trying to do it on my own strength, my own power but I recognize tonight I need the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up within me. I know he's in there, but I need his power to rise up within me so that I can separate my flesh from the plan of God for my life and I can live for him. I can't do it on my own strength. If you would be honest enough for that, would you get out of your seats and come up here, please? Let's do this quickly. You want to go home, I want to go home. I'm telling you, your first step will be to get out of your seat. Because this is one of those calls and invitations 
that's going to require, your flesh is going to try to stop you. Your flesh is going to say, oh, don't do that. No, if you get up, everybody's going to know how carnal you are. Guess what? We already know. We already know. Thank you, Father, for giving us boldness tonight. Thank you, Father, for honesty and transparency. Could you all move up, please? Because there should be a whole lot more people up here right now for everybody who wants to be honest. You notice I'm standing up here first? You know, it really depends on how far you want to go with God. He'll let you just live your life if you want. You'll go to heaven. I don't know about you, but I want my life to mean something here on this earth. I want to take souls with me. I want people that I don't even know to come up to me in heaven and go, man, your life example just inspired me to go after God and go after Jesus. Any more, any, anyone else care to be honest and open and say, yeah. Hey, listen, don't do it for me. Do it for you. Hallelujah. Notice this, that the enemy will always entice your flesh. Always. Always. Why? Because he's found a good ally in it all these years. One more time. Hallelujah. Thank God for honesty. Thank God for transparency. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, whenever the word is preached, there needs to be a response. So if you're good, you're good. That's fine. That's wonderful. But if you gave into your flesh by not getting up, you know what's going to happen? You establish a negative track record, and the next time it'll be easier for you to give into the flesh. Adam, you should come up here with your wife, not let her stand alone. I meant that as an encouragement, Adam. I didn't mean that as, I hope you didn't take it as an embarrassing thing. Anybody else? Okay. Now, let's get down to the real nitty-gritty. If you're a husband, you need to get up here. Because your marriage is only going to be as strong as you're able to put your carnality aside. You know where I'm going next, right? If you're a wife, <laughs> need to get up here. Because you see, your husbands are dependent on you to hear from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and if you're carnal, the whole house is in trouble. I'm not going to drag this out much longer. It's 732. <laughs> Glory to God. Move up, move up, move up, move up. One more call. If you're single. (laughs) 
We're good, right? I didn't embarrass you, did I? Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Did I hear somebody say, if you're human? Yes. <laughs> Look, here's the point. We're all in this. To some extent or another, we're used to having our flesh. Our flesh is used to getting its way. It takes, in to, it takes being intentional every single day. As the Lord reminds us, as decisions are coming across our mind, am I going to go for this that's going to bring me pleasure, or am I going to put myself aside and let God work things out in my life? That's what it's about. Please, for the sake of those that you're going to contact, come in contact with for the rest of your life, stay out of the me trap. Because when we're so absorbed with me, we can't see anybody else. And we start using people. We start manipulating. We start going for self-gratification in all kinds of forms. And that always hurts somebody else. Amen? Amen. Wow. I, I didn't plan any of this. I didn't. I, I didn't know how I was going to end this or wrap this up tonight. I had my notes have people pray, but I didn't, I didn't think about this. It's pretty cool. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Don't tell anybody <laughs> that's coming to church tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor Mike, where are you? Yeah, you, you do this tomorrow in Bayville. Okay. Pastor Tom, where are you? You're preaching in, in Wall tomorrow. Right, make sure you do the same thing, okay? All right, let's put one hand up to God right now. This is the hand we receive with. Amen. Amen. And say this with me. Father, Father I'm, here tonight I'm here tonight asking you, asking you for the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up within me, to strengthen me, so that I could keep the flesh, keep the flesh under, under, not over me. Not the only thing I want over me is your Holy Spirit. Thank you for that strength. Thank you for, strength. Thank you for every day. Grace to stand. Power of the Holy Spirit. Rising up with every decision. With every temptation. With every opportunity to serve myself. I will, by your grace, say no to self and yes to you. I pray this, I pray this. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We scared the devil tonight. The last thing he wants is a bunch of Christians that are not carnal. He loves carnal Christians because they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Don't forget the things we prayed tonight. Amen? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.